Back. Let's get back to the show now. With Caleb and Garrett, it's the Dopey Millennials Show. Get out of your mind! From Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Step on the beat, uh, the intro of that time. You did not. I did not. Golf clap. <laughs> Golf clap. Sports Radio 929 The Game. 929TheGame.com. Take us with you on the Odyssey app. Garrett Chapman, Caleb Johnson. We are the Dopey Millennials here for one more hour. Talked a little Braves baseball with Grant McCauley. If you missed it, go check it out on the Odyssey app. Get it wherever you get your podcasts. But specifically on that Odyssey app. But in the meantime, I do want to talk a little Atlanta Falcons because the Atlanta Falcons. You preach positivity, and at times it feels like it's hard to draw some positives, especially when you fall on your face against your arch nemesis. I don't even want to say their names on this show. 21-18 was the final score down in that place where they play the football. Ain't. The ain't. Come on. I don't want to give that to them. I don't even oh, want to do it. Oh, man. okay. I don't want to do it to them. I, I can't stand them, man. I can't stand them. No, I'm, I feel like John Fricky up here, man. I, I, I'm not a big Saints guy. You know, but at the end of the day, it's like it's very it's very difficult to draw positives, and we talked about that um, in, in the rest of the story earlier in the show. But specifically, I, I did find some positives that I can pull from this games. And look, John Freaky, <laughs> yeah, they're ready to go. No, it, but I do want to talk about some some positives from this game because this stuff is very important. You know, because these the we're talking about the future of the Atlanta Falcons, and I think we got a, a dose of that on Sunday. Desmond Ritter, he looked. He had some happy feet early in the game. Gets into a fourteen nothing hole. I think. I mean, well, he didn't get them into a fourteen nothing hole, and I think that's part of things is the fact of, um, and and once again, very similar to how we were having a conversation earlier about the Atlanta Hawks and and how I tell people to pump the brakes because things are very circumstantial. Um, who could have predicted that your defensive coordinator yeah. gets knocked out? 20 minutes before the game starts. Like, that's – that. I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry, folks. That's so Falcons of <laughs> of this team. You know, like, like there are some things you go, yeah, that's Atlanta. Like, and, and for this team to have their defensive coordinator knocked out 20 minutes before the game starts, and then what do you see? Uh, a 14-0 hole because you, you – you what, go three and out in the first drive, uh, four plays the second drive – and, you know, and then you're just you're fighting from behind at that point. Yeah. No, but the point is, it's like, I, I don't I don't I'm not going to lay that at the feet of Desmond Ritter. No, by no means. What I will lay at his feet is is how he started that game. What was it? Oh, a four before he completed his first pass. It was his third possession down 14, nothing. But what I did see from him after that is he's playing in a very hostile environment. You go down 14 points and he kind of settled in. You know, and he looks like he improved as the game went on. We talked about it earlier in the show. He made that play to Drake London, and of course he fumbled on that play. But right there in crunch time, you see Desmond Ritter. He got a different complexion about him. He just seemed to change on that final possession. And of course, we were robbed. I think of of however that was going to end up. Of course, with that fumble. But look, I see Desmond Ritter. It, it wasn't. He didn't make the big mistake. He had some near minutes, some some kind of lucky breaks. I would say. But I didn't see the big mistake. I didn't see a, a, a bad fumble or a bad interception. And, and if it, it well, his ba- he bad had, interception, he had one, but it comes back. Yeah, he, he got saved. He got <laughs> saved. Kind of a lucky break. But look, I, I'm not for his first play, uh, first game. Well, and this is also a, a kid who in college he plays at Cincinnati. All due respect to Cincinnati and the Bearcats, it's a good football program up there. 
the biggest and most hostile environment that this guy had played in was the University of Central Florida down in Orlando. I heard that Are on the you? broadcast. And then you're walking in. Like, we're not talking about somebody going to play in a Bryant-Denny Stadium and then yeah. flipping around and playing in New Orleans. And it's like, okay, fine. But New Orleans is a different animal. That that stadium is it's pretty raucous. And Desmond Ritter showed some boys, and for the most part, he looked pretty good. For a rookie making his first NFL start, he looked better as the game went on. He will improve as the season continues. But I'm giving him a solid B for this game. Well, we can hope that he improves. I think that's one of those. That's like, the expectation. Yeah, you you talked about it. And and the one thing I you know will say the fact that, yes, he did get bailed out by a penalty for the fact that he didn't throw an interception in this game. But I didn't think he did anything completely egregious. It was just a lot of meh and mm-hmm. a lot of an offense that seemed to go, we have a rookie quarterback and we don't want to – throw him completely under the bus. That's how you finish with 13 completions for le- what less than 100 yards. Nine, yeah, 97 yards yeah, in this one. Pretty. Yeah, you know, it was one of those. That line wasn't pretty. Yeah, no. because they weren't really needing him to do a whole lot. You talked about, you know, Ritter taking the shots. Yeah, they wanted to try those things out. Now, I will say on the on the other end of this, it's not like his receivers really did him no. Any help at all? We need some playmakers. Yeah, and, and the fact, like you know, you obviously you're you're missing Kyle Pitts. He's out for the year with an injury. You can't do anything about that. Um, I've been a guy. You you heard me earlier. Like I haven't loved the play of Drake London this year. Um, especially I'm one of those people that like, yeah, I'm gonna compare you to the other uh, players at your position who have come out of the same draft. And, um, you Especially know, when you're drafted in front of them. Yeah. Well, and, and you look at what those receivers that were playing at Ohio state last year are doing in the league. And I think they look pretty like the guy he, that, uh, uh, Drake London was facing on Sunday, obviously in, uh, um, Olave. Um, but I, I just didn't think they did a whole lot to help him out. Uh, the players themselves, I think Arthur Smith and his offense Really, really tried to uh, to help out Desmond Ritter. Obviously, we talked earlier about the rookie Tyler Algier, and I know we'll spend some more time talking about him. Uh, but the the thing that we know as Falcons fans when it comes to Desmond Ritter is he's got three more games to prove it. Otherwise, the Atlanta Falcons can move on from him. Like Desmond Ritter is not someone who is stuck as a part of this team moving forward. He is going. He has the ability to prove himself as the guy who can be a starter next season, no doubt. But the Falcons, part of the benefit of them drafting him where they did is they have that ability to move on from him. We've seen it before. Literally saw it last season where uh, uh, the Minnesota Vikings drafted Kellen Mond uh, in the third round and moved on from him for the very next season. I'm not saying, don't don't go quoting me saying Caleb Johnson said that <laughs> uh, the Falcons are, are moving. After one start, the Falcons, yeah, I see you, Garrett, writing it down, that uh, I did not say after one start that the Falcons are moving on from Desmond Ritter. I'm saying they have that availability there. Um, and Falcons are going quarterback. Yeah, I'm not saying they go okay. quarterback. I, I have seen some rumors that... The team that the Falcons are facing on Saturday, you know, has a quarterback (laughs) who may or may not be healthy, who could be a part of this team next year. If the Falcons so decide, I'm I'm sorry. Hey, Lamar Jackson's an incredible player. So he's a great player. Yeah. So don't discount. 
But uh, he's a great player. I'm, I, I'm sorry, I'm going to cut you off. Real no, quick. you're fine. He is a great player. He is not leaving Baltimore. I know that there are thousands of people in their cars right now saying, "Oh yeah, let's go get Lamar Jackson." He's not coming to Atlanta. He's not leaving Baltimore. They would never let him leave. They okay. would never and, let and, him leave. And we'll, and the, and we'll watch that play to, out. And what you would have to pay to go get a Lamar Jackson. Boy, ain't no way, boy. <laughs> boy, ain't no way, boy. Ain't no way. Boy, ain't no way, boy. Dylan is on top of it tonight. Uh, so, so yeah, so I'm I'm sorry. I know I really just hijacked the conversation. No, I took no, 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 a, no, no, no. a very dark direction. That, well, we're talking I'm, about futures. Yeah. That's, but that's, that's the thing is is like that that is what excites me about this Falcons team is is that the there's no like long term commitment to like we're stuck with somebody like like the Falcons aren't stuck with anybody and that should be a really bright positive thing to look forward to when it comes to 2023 and I'm sorry yes I am saying look towards 2023 because oh, yeah. the Falcons no, playoffs not. hopes this season I realize their their record is identical. Uh, with three other teams in their division, but obviously, like we know, head-to-head matchups. What it would take? What is the percentage down to for the Falcons to make the playoffs? To, if I it, have it's to in spend the teens, right? Two percent. Two percent. If I have to spend more than a minute and a half, two minutes going through the math and thinking about, okay, well, if this happens and then this happens and then that happens, hey, people then are you're doing not it. making the playoffs. Yeah. I'll bet. I'll say, hey, Knight, you you better be careful now. <laughs> our, our boss, our we've boss, Mike Conti, loves crazy things. We've seen we've seen crazy things happen. But the thing is, just because they're not going to make the playoffs doesn't mean you should tune out. No, absolutely. This team is you get so to exciting find out. Well, you get to find out. Yeah. This is what, what did I say all summer? What is, what is this version of the Atlanta Falcons? This is the prove it Falcons. And have they That's not they played are. out? And it's exactly awesome. like that. And they answered questions. And Desmond Ritter is going to have the opportunity to answer the questions in these next three games. What is he going to do on the road in Baltimore against a team that's vying for their playoff lives? They're fighting tooth and nail for for their ability to stay in the playoffs. They're falling out of it. What are you going to do? I want to find something out about Desmond Ritter on Sunday, and I think that we will. You know who we have found out about? That's Tyler Algier. Oh, uh, dude. A, a guy who is what he's, I think he's second in rookies uh, when it comes to rushing yards. Like a guy who is slowly proving himself to be uh, a consistent piece of this offense. And and you mentioned it earlier. You called him, you know, the, the best offensive player or maybe even best player just in general for this Falcons team, this second half of the NFL mm-hmm. season. Um, a guy that it's, it's, it's nice to have like an actual running back, not a Swiss Army knife, sure. not a guy that you can't depend on at all, and you just hope he gets some yards, um, but a a consistent piece who can run the ball. Um, I think the Falcons still need to add some speed to to uh, uh, that running back's room. Um, maybe they do that in the draft or free agency coming up next season, but. Um, it's just there's there's so much to be excited about when it comes to Tyler Algier. Yeah, Tyler Algier. We're looking at a situation where he passes Jarius Norwood. Uh, he did that on Sunday, and then he has the potential. I think if he averages something like 95 yards per game these next three games, which I think is very doable, then he might set the Falcons' rush, rookie rushing record. And oh, nice! Yeah, based off of the way that he started this season, he wasn't even playing for much of the that first half of the season. And the, the just for the reason that he has that chance, that's that's a testament to how well he has been playing down the stretch. Yeah, and his touches, of course, are about to probably increase with simply the fact of uh, 
Um, what well, it's uh, Caleb Huntley. That name was escaping me. Why would yeah. my own name escape me? But uh, uh, yeah, Caleb unfortunately has that Achilles injury on Sunday. He had surgery today. I saw that uh, it was reported he had successful surgery. Of course, out for the season. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, wish him the best. And honestly, like he had been a really big bright spot for this Falcons team this year, being a uh, um, a undrafted free agent guy. Uh, you know, guy they could bring in and and get some some runs out of but now Tyler Algier will fill that void even more and get more touches and and get even closer to that the Falcons rookie uh, rushing record yeah and, and and he might end up this season with over a thousand rushing yards that's fantastic that would end up that would likely be the the rookie rushing leader for 2022 Damian Pierce of course is on IR with the oh, that's right ankle injury yeah uh, he is at he has 939 so there is a potential they have they have Travis Etienne on this which is not right but you know, it's, I guess he was injured all of last year's so NBA standards. <laughs> but coming up next, we do have the reporter's take. We're going to hear from John Collins on who he may have to guard with Clint Capella out. I want you to be able to hear that right here. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. We are the Dopey Millennials. Be right back. It's the weekend. It's the weekend. And more from the Dopey Millennials show is on. As a millennial, I'm part of the most advanced crop of humans that our species has ever seen. From Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Sports Radio 92.9, The Game and the Odyssey app. It is the Dopey Millennials with you on a Tuesday, not the weekend. As our wonderful promo. Tuesday's uh, a new Saturday, man. <laughs> is it now? So so you're telling me, well, hey, you know what? That's actually, that's pretty funny because Tuesday is technically my off day and yet it never is, is it an, off, an day? off day. Well, that's the thing is like, so <laughs> technically I am off from like, I don't have sports flashes on Tuesdays. And so that's my day to, you know, go do stuff. Um, you know, productive and I don't uh, have any of this. Yeah. <laughs> well, and and that's the thing is like it it, off it never ends up that way because I'm always uh ending up somewhere else. Yeah. Um specifically like where I was today, because we'll get into a reporter's take. Up I I surprised producer Dylan. Uh <laughs> no, it's just because I was about to say I didn't mean to turn that back up. <laughs> I was about to say that I I feel you on that because, you know, you were saying Tuesdays are usually your off day. Monday is usually my off day, but that's the day I also record Peachtree football. So then I'm, like, cutting that up and posting it out and stuff like that. So, like, it's it's not really an off day. It's like a half a day, I yeah. guess. No, I, I'm with you. So I'm off on Tuesdays, and that gives me the availability to, like, go run a couple of errands or things like that. But guess what's normally on Tuesdays? Hawks practice or shoot around because they have a game. Now, obviously, they don't they don't really play on Tuesdays, but um, practice happens all the time. Um, I feel like there's some other things that pop up. Anyways, um, it, it just it feels like, and especially right around Christmas time, um, it w- it would have been really nice because there's a couple more gifts that I need to go out and acquire before Sunday comes. But because uh, see uh, now you're kind of coming up against it. Well, but I see I have two things that run against me, guys. My wedding anniversary is on Thursday, 
Oh. Because we Ooh. decided to do that whole thing where oh. we got married uh, on my grandparents' anniversary. Oh, so, you cute. know, like a little cute moment. But uh, then it, it also it, it makes gift giving back to back there. Um, so I um, thankfully I, I am caught up. Uh, you know who isn't caught up is the Atlanta Hawks. And I know I'm getting <laughs> a little bit away from what the point. Bridge. No, no, no. Okay, it, okay. I, I'm serious because this is something that I don't know if enough people have heard about. Uh, we're going to get into... <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Meeksies. We just got some Rick and Morty. I had to. Because your wedding anniversary is on Thursday, too. That's a ooh yeah. moment right yeah, there. Man. Sheesh. It, yeah, it was. It, was, it, it made Meese. sense at the time. Drop that clip into my folder. It, 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 it made sense at the time. but uh, And like oh, I said, we're, we're going to get into a reporter's take and hear from uh, Nate McMillan, John Collins, uh, and uh, Arthur Smith, among others. But um, <laughs> one thing that I did want to get to, though, when it came to the the Hawks, is like a fun thing. It, we're talking about gift giving. Um, the Atlanta Hawks, as a uh, the players, are doing Secret Santa. So we found this out oh, cool. last week from AJ Griffin, who wasn't supposed to tell anybody <laughs> about it. Rookie mistake. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, uh, Alamis, Allison Mastrangelo from Channel Two asked him if he was doing anything for Christmas, and he was like, oh, we, you know, we've got a Secret Santa thing going on. So, of course, follow-up questions get asked. So AJ told us that the minimum was $250 to spend mm. on a gift. Um, I know they drew names, like, from a hat or something like that. They all picked names randomly, uh, which I kept thinking for the guys who are on those, like, vet minimums, the guys who are two-way players – like, I, my hand would be shaking so <laughs> bad that I would pick up, you know, a, a John Collins or a DeAndre Hunter or a, a Trey Young. Like, I, I would be so terrified. So, uh, hopefully, it was distributed evenly. Um, I thought it was funny that that Bogey, when he was asked about it, was like, what are you guys talking about? Like, he was trying <laughs> to keep this thing a secret. Uh, and then we spoke to John Collins today who um, was giving us all kinds of information away, stuff that I wouldn't uh, take to the air because, like, Secret Santa needs to say secret, uh, <laughs> and not everybody is, is very— ruin the surprise. Yeah, not, a, not everyone is good at doing that. Um, but uh, John at least said that he expected to have—when he heard the 250 minimum, he was like, oh, I'm not worried about that. Like, my, my person's going to get a really, really good gift— uh, and so uh, I just thought a fun thing that the Atlanta Hawks are doing. See, that kind of jumped on what I was about to ask you guys. Uh, Dylan, I want to ask you this, too. If, of all of the Atlanta Hawks, who do you want to buy you? Who do, who do you want to pick? draw your name? Because mine's definitely John Collins. I want John Collins to, to be giving me the gift. I You know? But then again, it's like Trey Young just bought like a $50 million mansion. He had the yeah, yeah. But, you never know. But it's like it's, oh, I feel like John Collins would be the most because he has a handshake with every teammate. You're right. So yeah. he knows his teammates a little bit more. He would be like he a, would give a very thoughtful yet yeah. probably expensive gift. Yeah. So you yeah. would get the best of both worlds. Trey Young, John like Collins. he might not know you enough. He'll buy me a car or something. Yeah. He he he'll buy you something expensive that you would still definitely like. <laughs> but John Collins might get like he might get extra thoughtful with it. So I don't know. I was just about to say, like, the the thing that I would be concerned with Trey's like if if it was a sizing, like is he does he gonna know my size or is he just gonna go like <laughs> general um that's a thing that wow i need to move on that from as quick as possible but um john no i do think that john collins would have a very thoughtful gift i i agree with you guys the yeah. handshake thing that really that, that, <laughs> yeah um i did that to myself um yay 
But uh, no, John would be a good one. Um, I think even though AJ Griffin hasn't made quite the money that the rest of these guys have made, um, AJ Griffin, very thoughtful person that I think would be a, a great gift giver. But let's move on onto reporters' take and, and hear from some of these guys. I was out at practice earlier today. Uh, we spoke to Nate McMillan about look this Magic game that came down to one point, a game that the Hawks led by 13 points in the fourth quarter. Um, and just barely were able to close it out. Uh, Nate McMillan believes in this team to be able to finish games. Do it by teaching, you show them, you know, which is what we did again today, and, um, you know, hope that they start to show growth in uh, learning to finish, finish games, you know. That's not quite the clip we were looking for, but it's all good. Nate was... That, that was a very important moment where Nate was talking about like how do we how do we learn how to finish these games out? You play the tape, like roll the tape, watch yourself, watch your teammates, relax, get comfortable, and realize, hey, even against a team like the Orlando Magic, who you don't think at the end of the season is going to be that great, although they might surprise some people, um, you have to take them just as seriously because. They had just come off a six-game winning streak. They had just beat the Boston Celtics. Like, this is, like, you just, you can't take anyone lightly. How do you do that? You watch yourself and realize, you know, I can't get embarrassed out there like that. Caleb, can I ask you a question? Absolutely. Were they making, were, were both teams making money? They were. They did oh. make money for this game. Oh, God. Wait, so they're both professional athletes? Like both teams have professional athletes? Surprisingly, they are. Oh, okay. The so Orlando as, long as, as long as they're not bringing out some... You know, some college kids or high school kids. No, but these kids, these are professional athletes. They're making money. They're they're a very talented young team. They can beat anybody in the NBA. They, they like you just talked about it. They just went and jumped on the on the Boston Celtics. That's a Two nine straight games. That's a nine loss team right now. Yeah. That's a team that is probably. I mean, if, if I mean, I don't know what else you need to see from them. They're the best team in the NBA right now. They just beat them twice, back to back. Those are professional athletes, man. Those are guys who can they can show up and play on any given night. You got to be ready for any guy who comes out on your court. Yeah, and I think the Hawks sometimes, you know, especially here recently, it's, it feels like they need to be reminded of that. Let's get to that Nate McMillan clip that I, I was looking for earlier, um, where Nate talked about using his own experience of seeing teams that finish games. I've seen so many teams, and I've been a part of uh, of teams that they play hard. And uh, for 48 minutes, but they just can't finish. And uh, you know, we're we're not we're one of those teams that we can finish. Uh, we just need to be more consistent. At it. Yeah. So Nate talking about like he's coached the Sonics and he played for the Sonics and he's coached the Indiana Pacers. Like Nate's been around the league and seen teams. And I think the positive thing that I would take out of that, and the reason why I wanted to, to play that specifically from Nate, is him saying, look, I believe in this team. I know these guys can do it. I've been a part of teams before where I couldn't just automatically expect that they can finish games. Um, but yet, Nate believes in this team, and now they've, they've just got to show it. Like it, It's as simple as that. It, it's not a whole lot of, uh, of rah-rah speeches or, or no. specific coaching. Uh, it, it's just do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just do it. I mean, look, they they went and made the the offseason acquisition of Dejounte Murray, and everybody, uh, it felt like everybody was in two camps. 
and there was no in between really. It was everybody who thought that it was never going to work, and or it just needs some some time or whatever. The other ones thought that, oh yeah, we're going for it now. Oh yeah, we're going to go win the NBA championship now. That was not what this team was going to do. Yeah, this team is still a work in progress. They're still coming together and trying to figure themselves out. They're a 500 basketball team right now, and that doesn't mean that come March they're going to be still that same basketball team. If they have not, if we are in the same situation come was it trade on February 9th. Mm-hmm. If we're in that same situation come February 9th, then I think that we we have some serious problems. Absolutely. Are we going to see the same team come February 9th? No. I think that this team, is, there's some meal deals that I think that we might end up doing, but we're not there yet. I want to see what this team looks like. I'm preaching patience. We t- we open the show with this, and I'll, I'll, I'll say it again right now. Patience. Patience. This team has so much talent, we haven't seen them. They're a top five basketball team when your starting five is actually playing. But they don't play. Yeah, and that's actually something that healthy. yeah, that's something the Atlanta Hawks are dealing with right now as Clint Capella has already been ruled out uh, for tomorrow night's game against the Bulls. Of course, pregame coverage right here on 929. The game starting at 7 o'clock with the tip-off for Hawks Bulls starting at 7.30. Let's uh before we head to break, let's hear from John Collins with Clint Capella out. John, much like he did against the Magic, might be expected to step into that five roll once again. You know, um, I'm ready for, you know, whatever, um, whoever, whoever may be four or five. You know, I switched five, so, you know, ready for Zach Levine and Marta Rosen as well. So, as I said, you know, I don't really keep that mentality of whoever it is. You know, they got to guard me too. They got to, you know, play me too. So, I just know it's a 48-minute game. Um, and. I'll be ready, whether it's Vooch or um, Pat Williams, whoever it is. I'll be ready to go. He said it's a full 48-minute game, right? He did. So they do play a fourth quarter? They absolutely do. Okay, we got him on record. Uh-huh. Got uh, cool. Well, and that's the thing. <laughs> like, from from John, like, I expect, you know, someone who, even though he might, he John might not have very many minutes in the fourth quarter because he is on a minutes restriction. I think it's at 20 minutes right now, which will hopefully increase pretty quickly as he gets healthier. Um, but you know, John's going to have to step up in a role that maybe he's a little undersized for, but they were able to make things work against, uh, uh, against the magic. I think with Vucevic um, and the bulls, you know, it's a, a tougher task that I think Onyeka Okongwu will obviously get more minutes at that, uh, trying to defend that, and also simply for the fact of, um, you know, one key thing about the Bulls right now that people might not realize is since the Hawks played the Bulls and beat them in overtime, mm-hmm. the Bulls have not won a game. They have had a Sham Sharania report come out today that Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan are squabbling, are, are, are you know, maybe a little kerfuffle has going on. I got a, uh, uh, I saw there was a, a tweet that just came out earlier today um, that there was a essentially a fight between the Bulls at halftime of their Timberwolves oh, loss. Lord. So you're catching a team at that point. It, Jump it, on them. Yeah. You, Step on their throat. You absolutely have to pull, pull this thing into a three-game winning streak that you can uh, <laughs> that you can continue to build on and, uh, um, and get this thing going, especially before you go out west where everyone knows things get tough when you go on those long West Coast road trips. Learn a lot about yourself on those trips, and, and that, that's a difficult spot for them to be in. I mean, this is a situation the Atlanta Hawks cannot afford to drop games. Yeah, you're still trying to figure yourself out. Yeah, you're still trying to get healthy. You're the better basketball team. Prove it on the court tomorrow.
Absolutely. Do it. Do it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes, do it. I, I think of Lord the... Lord uh, Sidious is jumping in here. I think of the Shia LaBeouf one where he, like, flexes and he's like, do it. You know, like, that's <laughs> that's what comes to mind. That's what Meme I want culture hits 92.9 the game. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> that's, that's I what, love it. That, that, hey, that's what the dopey millennials bring. That's you know, we, don't you know? Fresh take, man. Well... Unfortunately, Garrett, we only have one more segment to do before we uh, get out of here. We're going to give the folks a news you can lose and then hand out a couple participation trophies, a staple on our show here, the Doping Millennials, on a Tuesday, filling in for the John Chuckery Show. It's the Doping Millennials on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. Do it! to more of the Dopey Millennials Show. How do real-life millennials respond? Those fire. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. It's the Dopey Millennials for one final segment before we toss things over to the CBS Sports Network. And uh, JR, who's going to bring you the soothing, soulful voice, the very level-headed, calm, uh, love catching JR late at night. Um, and, and always fun, he's too, especially since he's an Atlanta guy. Like, I get to see him in person at times, uh, like Hawks games and things like that. Um, but like I said, one final segment before we turn things over to JR. Uh, and of course, if you know the Doping Millennials, you know that... We wrap up our show with a news you can lose. Information, things that we find interesting, maybe funny, maybe weird, whatever might be the case. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll try to touch on a lot of different things. One thing that we do have to do in our news you can lose is we are dopey millennials, which means we do make mistakes, which means sometimes we make teases and we don't pay them off. And please... Don't fire us, Mike Conti. <laughs> no, but uh, earlier I, I talked about um, four billion dollars. Like that feels. You know when I say that, Garrett, I go to uh, uh, Doctor Evil from Austin Powers, and I feel like I need to stick my pinky next to my mouth. Four billion dollars is what the Phoenix Suns are dealing with right now because their ownership is about to change. Robert Sarver is selling his team for $4 billion to $1 million. Yeah, times 400. Um, is that? No. No, my math is so bad. <laughs> there we go. See, that's, I blame the Georgia public school system 4, 000, for yeah. 4,000. There we go. Yeah. yeah. Times 4,000. Anyway. <laughs> so the, uh, different levels to the music yeah. i love that no it's <laughs> fine great. but uh um the phoenix suns have been sold for four billion dollars to mortgage lender matt ishbia i think is how it's pronounced i have no idea matt ishbia i was gonna let you do it and I okay <laughs> well well that's what i'm sticking that that's my story i'm sticking to it matt ishbia uh is buying the phoenix I'll suns give you a participation trophy for that thank you so much <laughs> i deserve it um from robert sarver obviously all of the um, horrific stuff that was going on around that organization um, with Robert Sarver at the helm. I just wanted to point out the fact of the last team, the last NBA team to get sold was in 2019. That was the Brooklyn Nets. Joe Sy bought the Brooklyn Nets for $2.35 billion. 
and we just like straight went to four. 2019. Oh, wow. 2019. Yeah, the Brooklyn Nets were bought by Joe Sy in 2019 for $2.35 billion, a record at the time. Tillman Fertitta bought mm. the Houston Rockets in 2017 for $2.2 billion. So in two years, evaluations went up, you know, just minuscule numbers. Uh, Steve Ballmer, which feels like forever now. Wow. Steve Ballmer bought the Clippers in 2014 from another, obviously, uh, um, disgraced owner. Yeah, disgraced owner. Um, for in 2014, Steve Ballmer paid two billion dollars for an LA team. For an LA team, and now the Phoenix Suns get sold for four billion dollars. I, I do. I also want to point out because it is news you can lose. Uh, a fun fact to know about uh, Matt Ishbia. Matt Ishbia was a walk-on for the Michigan State men's basketball team. Tom Izzo. Yeah, went to Ishbia. Went to three straight Final Fours. And was a part of the 2000 National Championship Michigan Spartans. The Michigan State Spartans. Yeah, Michigan State Spartans. Very important that I make that distinction. Yeah. Fun fact. Another fun fact for News You Can Lose. That was the last Big Ten team to win an NCAA championship. Huh. I'm I'm sure my... It's been a uh, long time. I was about to say, I'm sure my... It's a very good basketball conference. It's a very good basketball conference, but they haven't won a championship in like 20-some-odd years. Yeah, I... A long time. It's so funny, too, because like I've been so excited to talk to my... They played in a bunch, too. Yeah. I I, My nothing-but-nest co-host, Deshaun Tate, massive, massive Michigan State fan. Mm -hmm. Uh, So... uh, But he's taking some time off right now because he's got some fun things going on in his life that... Uh, that I'll be telling people about on the podcast uh, maybe on Thursday if he allows me to do so. Where can you get that podcast? Uh, Anywhere you listen to podcasts, but especially on the Odyssey app, Nothing But Nest. Uh, Check it out, me, Caleb Johnson, and my co-host, Deshaun Tate. Uh, But, yeah, so $4 billion is what the Phoenix Suns and the Phoenix Mercury, the WNBA team, they were a package deal, which is important to point out the fact because – like here in Atlanta, the Hawks in the Dream, not a package it deal. To do with it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, just very interesting to see that whole deal go down. Uh, a lot of money happening, and you know, really interesting to kind of see uh, what I would consider to be like a good guy. Like I know, you know, to become a billionaire, you're probably not doing the most wholesome things to get there. But to have Ishbia be a a, a former walk on player, like. He cares about basketball at least. Like, like he's that. not just in it for the money, which uh, feels like it's going to be a good thing for the NBA. Uh, anything else you wanted to get to in uh, in news you can lose? Yeah, I do want to talk. I- I'm going to keep it to NBA because Mexico. I mean, this was a, this I saw was, that. Yeah, Adam Silver. Adam Silver had some very interesting comments because I, I believe they're playing a game down in Mexico City this year, aren't they? That would, not? I mean, that would maybe make sense. Like plan. Probably, probably like San Antonio is going to play down maybe there. Maybe something like that. But he had some comments about specifically. Or someone asked him a question about what are the odds that like what are we looking at expanding the NBA? And he said basically doing all the things. Mexico City is quote doing all the things necessary to demonstrate to the league that ultimately we may be positioned to house an NBA team there. I'm talking full-time NBA basketball team in Mexico City. What do you think about that? Um, I think the reality of that happening is so far away that it, it was just Adam Silver entertained the thought. But 
I think the bidding starts where? Well, yeah, <laughs> but I think Seattle gets a team before that. I think Las Vegas Why? gets a team b- before that Why? because people have been dying to put a team back in Seattle. Sure, it's a feel-good story for that city. You need to, two to, teams if you're going to expand. You're going to expand to two yeah. teams, and, and so you know, and obviously, like LeBron James has been tied to putting a team in Vegas. Um, I don't know who would be tied to putting a team in Mexico City. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like there's a lot of hurdles. To get past, like the NFL, they've been playing games in Mexico City, but you haven't heard any talk of them putting a team down there. Um, I'm just, I, I don't know what it takes. I don't know what the taxes are like. Yeah. Like, you know, all, all of the, like, intricacies. We already uh, got a of, team in Canada. Yeah. We've already got a team in Canada. I, I'm not I'm not saying it's probable. I'm not saying it's even going to happen. You know, I, I interesting. Yeah. Very well, interesting. I think it was just one of those, like, um, you know, just it, it opened it opened a thought process for people who probably expected Adam Silver to just automatically shut this down and be like, you know, no, we we have not had any conversations about doing that. But Adam Silver just just kind of cracked the door open a little bit and got people's brains working. Uh, and and good for him. It'll get some yeah. buzz going on, and and maybe it becomes a reality at some point. But like I said, I just think uh, I think you're going to end up with a point where Seattle and Las Vegas get a team before they would ever put one um, down in Mexico City. I wanted to bring a story to you very quickly, but one that was so wild when I read it, uh, just the headline alone, the headline from SB Nation, one of the Chiefs' most notable superfans robbed a bank on the way to the Texans game. <laughs> yes, superfans, Chiefs-aholic. This guy is known to go to Chiefs games wearing, like, a a wolf suit. He looks like a wolf, and he's got a mask covering his face. Um, This is a guy who's constantly tweeting about Chiefs football and and at home games, and they noticed that that Chiefs-aholic, the Twitter page, yeah, it went silent for a few (laughs) days. And they were – and so some people who are in that Chiefs – Kansas City Chiefs community – Started following up, doing some investigations, and I mean, this was like this was some making HBO series out of this sort of thing. I'm trying to see the guy's name because it's in such small print. Um, Xavier Michael Babudar uh, <laughs> was arrested on Friday um, after he tried to rob a bank, uh, and so what it was deduced is that uh, Xavier was on his way. To the to the Chiefs Texans games in Houston, and robbed a bank just just casually, you know, robbed a bank along the way. I thought it was hilarious because Chiefsaholic is known to wear a mask, like so people really didn't know who his identity was, uh, and that was kind of part of the whole the whole trope and everything that he was doing. In the list of offenses, it was wearing a mask and commission of felony, and I'm thinking, did he wear the wolf mask? When he robbed the bank, like I, I just, re- I really hope that he did to make the story even that much better. But oh, just, <laughs> but what a wild, like what a wild thing to be a super fan of a team and just you know casually rob a bank on your way to go watching your uh, your favorite NFL team. He puts the dopey in millennial, doesn't he? Uh, uh, I, that's that's beyond dopey. That's, uh, that's um, moronic. Yeah, well, and he got caught because you know criminals usually aren't that smart. So that kind Most of time. Uh, you know that's that's pretty consistent theme. <laughs> that that kind of fits into everything as well. Do you have uh, any what, one quick one quick thing I do okay. want to say uh, about 
Live Golf. Big uh, announcement right. yeah. from the Masters today. It wasn't that Live Golfers can participate. It's that they're not making any changes, which that means we're going to have Live Golfers playing PGA Golfers again in Augusta in uh, in April. And I am all the way here for it. I- I'm so glad it's because it's a non-PGA event. And the Masters, of course, runs its own show over there in Augusta. And they do a great job with it, too. Um, so why why mess with it? It ain't broke. Don't fix it. This yeah. will be great. The storylines that will come out of Augusta in April, I am very excited for that. Yeah, I look, I'll, I'll be up front right now and tell you I don't like live golf um, simply for uh, – I, I think it's a dangerous game. To competition, get, man. It's competition. Yeah, I, I understand I'm that. I, that. I'm just specifically talking about when you, when you get it uh, involved with people who have a ton of money and – you know, they're kind of controlling you with their, like, playthings, and there's not, they don't have a lot of investment. Like, if, if it goes south, if Live Golf goes south, well, they just wipe their hands of it and, and move on and go on and, and do something else. And I feel like, uh, you know, a, a league like the PGA, um, you know, th- there's more investment. There's a mutual benefit, even if they had been taking advantage of golfers, and I, and I believe they had been. Uh, seeing this happen is not surprising at all. Augusta National has been known to stay out of other people's fights that they don't want to get involved in, whether it was Georgia politics here in, in the state when it you know that whole thing was going on uh, and, and Augusta was like, you know, business as usual for us. Uh, so, yeah, not, not surprising at all. And on it, like this is Augusta National once again flexing their muscles of we are our own entity. They control their commercials. They control uh, how you view their golf course. They control everything. They control whether you can, you know, bring a cellular device to uh, uh, to to their grounds. So this is just a another flex in Augusta Nationals' control that kind of reminds you of they're their own thing. They're it's my party. Know, yeah, I'll dance if I want to. I, that's that's just where we are. <laughs> and, and, and honestly. I got no problem with that. I'm fine uh, with it. I, I do want to see. Augusta does what yeah, Augusta does. I, I want to see the, the best golfers play, and so uh, I'll be excited come April uh, when, the, when the Masters hits us again. Uh, before we get out of here, let's hand out some participation trophies. Uh, I'll go first, and then, Garrett, I'll, I'll turn things over to you. I'm giving my participation trophy to Salt Bay. Do you mm. know who Salt Bay is? Uh, all unfortunately, right. yes. Yeah, so the guy who, for some reason, we all gave a whole bunch of credit to uh, he would come to your table with salt in his hands and whip it up above his head and sprinkle it down on your insanely priced steak uh, and has restaurants now, all kinds of businesses, um, a meme that just blew up way too big. Well, Salt Bay was at the World Cup on Sunday, and he is, uh, I'm assuming, from Argentina with the way that he was so passionate about Argentina winning the World Cup. He had VIP access to the game, and after Argentina won, he was down on the field, and he w- he kept posing with players like Messi didn't want to talk to him. Like Messi was trying to push him off, and he kept like pushing himself on Messi on other players. He's in all kinds of like player photos, and they you you can see them so awkwardly trying to just be like, all right, I guess you're here. I'll pose with you. So so Salt Bay, you get a participation trophy since you couldn't get the World Cup trophy, uh, even though you were trying so hard to ruin that moment for uh, for your your country's uh, teams. 
Yeah, I'm actually going to keep it on here. I'm going to give a, a participation trophy to Lionel Messi because Messi did get the World Cup trophy. He got the the golden was the golden ball award too for the best overall player in the World Cup. I'm also going to give him a participation trophy, and if you know him, shoot him a text. Just let him know, hey, Garrett Chapman, take a participation trophy. And it's not for anything that he did on the pitch. It's actually what he did off of the pitch. He posted a picture, and that picture now has 67.6 million likes. That is a new record for Instagram. And uh, if, if anybody who is not familiar, the world record egg, that used to hold that uh, I guess that award or whatever is the recognition. 57 and a half. Lionel Messi blows that out of the water. That just feels like a, a beautiful participation trophy. All right. So Lionel Messi and Salt Bay uh, <laughs> receiving very this, Argentinian yeah, base. Yeah, yeah, receiving the uh, the same award, the same very important award, uh, just as important as the World Cup trophy, right? Yeah, sure. We'll go with that. Uh, that's all the time that we've got for this episode of uh, – of the Dopey Millennials. Um, go check out Garrett's stuff that he's going to have going on tomorrow. Garrett, of course, the new 24-7 uh, sports writer for jo- covering Georgia Tech. GoJackets.com. Yeah, you've, uh, GoJackets.com. Okay, you've got uh, what early signing day coming up mm-hmm. tomorrow. Uh, go check out my podcast with Deshaun Tate, Nothing But Nest, as we continue to talk about the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, and until next time, until we're back together again, which might Monday. be – the day after Christmas, Boxing I believe. Day, baby. Yeah. The day after Christmas, the Doping Millennials will be back 10 a.m. to 2.30, I believe. Not That's too long. 12 to 2.30. I, I don't know. Something like that. I'll tell you next week. It's the Doping <laughs> Millennials. Caleb Johnson, Garrett Chapman, Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, and the Odyssey app. Peace.